Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we're going to talk about touch. Now, you know, over the last couple years, touch has become sort of a dirty word and pretty much around the world. But y'all know by listening to me and listening to the shows that I've done with Susan Kay about Am I Normal If, that we encourage touch and have talked about the benefits of touch and my guest today I think is really going to encourage touch and hugs and that's that's kind of uh it's an insider insider joke that we're going to tell you all about because she she's got she likes hugs <laughs> we'll tell you that story here in a minute so Edie it's awesome to have you with me today thank you I'm honored to be here and we were introduced by our mutual friend Susan Kay we we were we were you know it, it's funny we were going to have a, a phone call the other day and she says she says now we're not going to talk until you watch her TED talk. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm glad she you sent did. Me she Thank sent me you. the link and she she says you have to watch it first and she sent me a text. Did you watch it yet? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Susan is one of my cheerleaders, so I, I appreciate that. She is, and actually, I will I will put a link, and I will include the TED Talk on the show page for today's show, so they can, so the listeners can 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 see the TED Talk also. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I sent a text. I said, "I've watched it. We can talk now." <laughs> <laughs> so, and and after I watched it, I I said, "I I have to invite her to be on the show. Now we have to talk." <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, well, I I love getting to, well, it's so cool to get to see um, a TED Talk by somebody and then have them on the show, because then I kind of get like a little preview of them and see them like in action, you know, and, and learn more about mm-hmm. them and then have them on. So that's, that's always mm-hmm. nice. I like that. Thank you. So, and and Susan wants me to, to find a way to, to get her to get to do a TED Talk. So we'll kind of work on that. Um, well, I was giving her some ideas when we spoke as well. Awesome. Awesome. So, Edie Weinstein. Weinstein. It rhymes, right. Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. And I love this. She's the love ambassador, optimistic, and bliss mistress. I love that. That is so cool. <laughs> and, Thank you. And optimistic. Optimistic is spelled O-P-T-I dash M-Y-S-T-I-C for anybody that might not be understanding that. Mm -hmm. She delights in inviting people to live rich, full, juicy lives. She's an internationally recognized, sought-after, colorfully creative journalist, interviewer, author, and editor, dynamic and inspiring speaker, licensed social worker, and interfaith minister. She's a bliss coach, sounds like a very good thing to do, to be, mm-hmm. and a producer, certified, you're going to love this, laughter yoga leader, certified cuddle party facilitator, and cosmic concierge. She's the founder mm-hmm. of, you're going to love this too, y'all, Hug Mobsters Armed with Love, which we will talk about, which offers free hug events worldwide on a planned and spontaneous basis. I don't think she would, you know, be be um, against a spontaneous hug. And no. she speaks on the subject of wellness, relationships, trauma recovery, addiction, mental health, spirituality, sexuality, loss, and grief. And she did present her first TED Talk called Overcoming the Taboo of Touch just two months ago at Faroe Park in Lima, Ohio, which, like I said, I will share on the show page. So, Edie, it's awesome to have you with me today. Thank you. And what an introduction. Every time I hear my bio, I think, does that woman ever sleep? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what I think when I write mine or hear it too. I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Or that, or no wonder I sleep so good. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You've earned it. You've earned. It. Exactly. Exactly. It's like yeah. It's like when Susan's book was done. Phew. Now I can sleep. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Oh, but and and I love I love the hug I love the hug monster. Mobsters. I just I heard that and I had I had to back up the the talking. I said, did I hear that right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So you want to hear about how it launched? Like where where that that idea came from? Well, I, before I do that, did did Susan tell you that she wants she wants to stop start the touch mon- mobsters? She wants right. to tweak it just mm-hmm. a little bit because she's always encouraging yep. touch. So she wants yep. to tweak it a little bit. But yes, yeah, tell yeah, us we before we get about that. I, I okay. couldn't believe she couldn't imagine she hadn't. So tell us how the Hug Mobsters started. Okay, back in February of 2014, Valentine's Day weekend, I brought a group of friends to a big train station in Philadelphia called 30th Street Station. Now, Philly, mm-hmm. and this is part of what you're going to hear in the TEDx talk as well, Philly is colloquially known as the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. So it felt like right. the ideal place to do something like this. And I chose the day after Valentine's Day for a purpose. Um, I wanted people to understand that Valentine's Day is not just one day out of the year. Love is every day. And it's not just for romantic partners. Love is for everybody. So I went there with a group of 11 friends. And these were all pretty um, touch, um, comfortable, affectionate people. And there were some rules that we talked about before we did it. Consent, that was the number one rule, that we would not touch anybody, we would not not hug anybody um, without asking for their permission. And the permission was either verbal, like may I offer you a hug, or if they approached us and opened their arms, we said, yep, they want a hug. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we did it from noon to 1 p.m. that day. One of our friends, Ron, um, was a, a musician, and he had his guitar, and he walked around the train station singing, give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to me. You know, the, the song from the 1980s maybe. And he, I don't know how many times he sang it in an hour. But within the hour's time, the dozen of us hugged a few hundred people. And some people walked past us. Some people, you know, went the other way to avoid us. <clears throat> but the majority of the people we approached said yes to hugs. Uh, there was actually a wedding happening that day, and we didn't, you know, we didn't try to hug the bride and groom. We just observed from there, and it was just an extraordinary experience. Now, there was a really poignant moment that just sticks with me. We were approached by an Iraq war vet who told us that he was the only survivor of his platoon, and he had survivor's guilt. And he said, I thought about killing myself until I met you people because you give me hope. Can I join you? So, of course, you know, we were tears trickling down, and we gave him his own free hug sign, and he was off running, you know, running around hugging people. And to this day, I have no idea what happened to this man, but my prayer is that he lived on and that he found a renewed sense of purpose because of our meeting. So friends started referring to us as hug mobsters, and I thought, ooh, mobsters, guns, drugs, violence. I don't think so. So I added the tagline armed with love to make it more, you know, the more of the message that we wanted to put out there. Um, I had a friend, have a friend who referred to me as the mother hugger and I can't remember who it was. And I was asking a few of my friends and I said, was it you? And they said, nope, nope. So somewhere in my, my group of friends, anywhere in the world, if you're listening to this, who called me the mother hugger? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a title that I embrace. And, um, and then a little time went by, and in June of 2014, almost to the day, like a few days prior, on the way home from the gym, I had a heart attack. Now, I was 55 years old at the time. Never in a million years would have imagined that happening. Um, there was a family predisposition. My mother had, you know, had congestive heart failure, and that's what she died from. My sister had already had two heart attacks prior, but never occurred to me that that would happen to me. So, I w- you know, I was very active, going to the gym five or six times a week. Um, I had 
you know, very active social life. I was already facilitating cuddle party. Um, life was grand. But then this big event happened, big life event happened. And as part of my cardiac rehab, I walked around Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is um, a town in Bucks County, but now we're outside of Philadelphia. And I said, why don't I combine the hugging with the walking? Because hugs are heart friendly, not just good for your cardiac heart, but your emotional heart. So I started creating what I call the hug strolls. Sometimes friends were with me. Sometimes I did it by myself. And since then, I'm estimating several thousand people that I've hugged. And again, the one key component is consent, that I don't hug anybody without their permission, and especially with children. There are times when I'll approach families, and I always say to the parent um, that if it's okay with you and okay with your child, may I hug your child? If the parent says yes, you know, the grown-up says yes, child says no, or they hide behind the adult, I say, yep, not a problem. Mm -hmm. And I talk about body sovereignty. I talk about permission. I tell the kid, you know what, your body is your own and nobody touches you without your permission. And then I look at, you know, the parent, the grown-up that's with them, <clears throat> and I say, is that okay with you? Nobody has objected to it. Nobody has said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, why would you say that to my child? So it's, it's exciting. And since the you mentioned the pandemic, well, you were referring to the pandemic, I'm assuming, about touch feeling unsafe right, right now. Um, <clears throat> I did it pretty consistently up until March of 2020. And it was one of the hardest things for me during the pandemic was not touching other people. I live by myself, so I've gotten, I got very good at comforting myself, blankets, pillows, self-massage, hugging trees, stuff like that. And I imagine for a lot of people, it was hugely isolating and they missed that human contact because without it, you know, we hear that babies fail to thrive. So do adults, the, you know, the, the depression, the anxiety, the addiction um, that people experience in some cases is lack of human connection. So that's my Definitely. mission is to have people connect heart to heart. Definitely. Well, and you know, it was, it was weird. Um, because you know there was there was that time period when like everything was just being canceled, and then yeah. I oh, had yeah. a um, well, and I was I was so used to you know going to to regular doctor's appointments, um, and then I and I I regularly go to um, uh, University of Virginia for for appointments with my um, thoracic cardiothoracic doctors. And mm -hmm. um, I went over there, and, and normally the place is just packed, you know, because there's so many right. patients. And I, <laughs> I went over, and there's there's almost nobody there, you know, mm -hmm. when I went over in 2020. And then mm -hmm. I went, and and you'd pass people, and and it would be like you you'd pass somebody in the hallway, and it was almost like they were taking their arms and like pulling pulling away from you, mm -hmm. you know, like they were they were literally hugging themselves to pull and, and you know, to make sure that they were as far away from you as they could possibly get. And it was, mm -hmm. it was so weird, you know, and yep. and nobody even looked at other people. You know how normally people kind of glance at you when they, they pass you in the hall and that kind of thing. And yep. it was, it was just, I, I live by myself too and I work from home, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I wasn't used to interacting with people at all during that time mm -hmm. period. Right. You know, when friends would go to the school for me and stuff, because I had, I had just finished cancer treatment, so I wasn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. and so when I did go somewhere, total culture shock, because it was just so weird to see how people were behaving, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was it was just, it was weird. It was I don't know. It was the strangest feelings I've had being around mm -hmm. people at all mm -hmm. but it's it was it was so it was so cool um one of my cousins posted some pictures on uh, Facebook the other night of um a Christmas parade that they had here in town and it was it was nice to actually see people out in public right. side by side doing something normal again 
you know, for the first yep. time in several years. And I, I had, mm-hmm. I, I actually commented and I, I sent the picture to a few people. I was like, people, people are acting normal, you know, for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. Yep. It was so nice to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. But what you, something you said um, jumped out at me. I made sure that even when I'm wearing, and I still wear a mask because I've got, you know, I'm a cardiac patient and I also have COPD. So, and I have a, you know, I have grandchildren that I want to keep safe. So I made sure that I smiled and made eye contact with people. And, you know, I, even though I didn't touch them, which was really hard, um, I still (laughs) wanted that human to human contact. So in the beginning, I did a lot of virtual hugging. So the people in my life that I was used to being around, we would have outdoor conversations masked. Um, the very first mammal that I hugged during the pandemic was my cousin's <laughs> dog. Um, I was visiting, sitting in my cousin's backyard in, I guess, like early summer of 2020. And we were about 20 feet away from each other. But Maddie, who's a chocolate lab, who thinks she's a lap dog, ran back and forth between us. And she was muddy, and she was just covered with gunk, and I didn't care. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, so she jumped on my lap. <clears throat> and I cried. I, that was the very first time. And then soon after that, um, I started seeing other people. My grandson was born in January of 2020, and we say that he was the best thing that happened in our family that year. And I couldn't, you know, I was with him for the first two months, and then March came along, and I didn't see them for 11 weeks. So if you can imagine mm. separated from your grandchild for 11 if you when you're used to seeing them almost every day, for 11 weeks, right. it was heartbreaking. So the first time I got to see him um, was, it was at probably Mother's Day, maybe, maybe a little bit after that. And um, it was just heaven. So I'm there every day now. I'm... I'm he now has a baby sister. Um, he's six months old. My grandson Dean is almost three, and Lucy is six months. So actually, she'll be seven months in in a few days. So mm. um, I'm, I'm with them every day, and fortunately, they love hugs. <laughs> oh, so that's that's how I, I get my my hug quota every day is my grandchildren. Well, they they couldn't have your DNA and not like hugs. <laughs> well, of course, we're, you know. We're, um, so it's it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing. Um, so I, I appreciate that, and I encourage people at their comfort level now, whatever their comfort level is, if it's a virtual hug, if it's a you know, if it's a masked hug, if it's a full-on hug, whatever your comfort level is, I'm starting to do that again. I you know, I hug my friends, I you know, um, and I you know, I feel better. You know, I'm fully vaccinated, boosted, the whole works. But when I'm in you know a public place like a supermarket or or, you know, a department store, I still wear a mask. I'm still, you know, I'm still cautious about that. Well, you know, one of the things I've always recommended to people is, you know, to smile to other people. And the thing mm-hmm. is, even if you're wearing a mask, you know, mm-hmm. at least meet other people's eyes, you know. Yep. And, you know, look at other people, you know. Mm-hmm. It really makes the effort to, to be looking and connecting at least by looking and saying hello to other people because there mm-hmm. was so much of that not going on, you know, right. not not looking at other people, not just speaking to other people and that kind of thing. And, you know, we need to be connecting on some level with people and mm-hmm. getting, getting that connection back, you know, right. and... Right. Well, and I, I loved even, even you know, the, 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 the title that you sent me when we were talking about this, Connection in a Time of Disconnection. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I understand some people are much more comfortable connecting now than others are, but mm-hmm. we need to find the level of connection we're comfortable with. Right. You know, and, and if, we're, if we're totally avoiding connection, we need to find mm-hmm. some level of connection that we are okay with. Right. Like you said, oh, there's, there, there, is, there is some level of connection we can be okay with. We need mm-hmm. to find what yeah. it is. You know, right. you, you can't be completely disconnected from people. As a human mm-hmm. being, we cannot be completely disconnected. 
you know, there's there's just there's studies that show and I mean we've we've seen and most of us have, have read articles and seen reports and all this kind of stuff of the things that have happened to the people and, you know, children not being in school and, and things that mm-hmm. happened in a very negative way because of being completely disconnected from people. Right. So are, are there some suggestions and some things that you may be able to think about um, for people that might be, because I know most people are, are integrating in some ways, but for people mm-hmm. that may be more hesitant to mm-hmm. reconnect, are there some suggestions we could offer? Sure. Well, first of all, one of the things I'm tremendously grateful for is technology. Um, in the beginning oh, yeah. of the pandemic, I, you know, we was was pass it was it was a Jewish holiday of Passover, and normally I would get together with people for a seder, which is a Passover ritual dinner. So we did a Zoom seder. Friends of mine from all over the you know all over the country, and then one friend in Costa Rica. So we were able to be together even virtually. You know, it was mm-hmm. still, we were still the same people that were all over each other with hugs and cuddles and snuggles, but we had to do it from a distance. So maintaining some kind of connection with the people in your life. If you talk, and I, and, you know, I'm, I'm old school. I prefer talking. I don't, the only time I text is for, to provide information. That's it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't right. have intimate conversations on text. So I prefer voice to voice or Zoom or face to face. So stay connected to the people in your life. Check on your neighbors. I mean, even if you just stand it, if you're still not comfortable being close to your neighbors, talk in the yard. You know, we, I did a lot right. of that in my neighborhood. When I would take walks, I would say hi to people. Um, find ways to reconnect. Now, that's hard because if you're used to, and we're coming up on three years. March will be three yes. years since the pandemic began. And probably, like most people, I thought, ah, two weeks. We'll be fine. Everything, you know, what did I know? <laughs> you know, and I yeah. actually didn't get COVID until this past April, April of 2022. I steered clear of it, but it was a really mild case. And um, getting back, reintegrating into the world, even for me, is challenging. I'm a social butterfly, and I miss the cuddle parties. And I'll explain a little bit about what cuddle party is if people aren't familiar. Um, but I miss that, and... I'm still not ready to, to do full-blown events, including hug strolls. You know, I'll hug people on occasion, but I'm not standing there on the street corner again with the, with the free hug sign. And I don't know what it'll take for me to feel absolutely ready to dive back into that. So I encourage people, spend time with loved ones, you know, or friends. Out, you know, outdoors, take a walk together. If the weather's nice and you have a deck to sit on or meet in a park, um, if you're comfortable being in the presence, physical presence of loved ones in an indoor environment, again, at your own discretion. Um, you know, do stuff that, like in the summer, obviously, um, and, and maybe into the fall, depending on where you live. Like I'm in Pennsylvania. So right now doing an outdoor concert probably wouldn't be the best idea. But where you are in Virginia, the weather might be warm enough to do that. Do fun things outdoors. I went to a number of outdoor concerts this summer, and it made me feel good to be with people without, you know, worrying. So I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on television, so I can't advise people. <laughs> about your risk factors, totally up to you. But stay emotionally in touch, if not physically in touch. Hug trees. I, you know, I did a lot of tree hugging um, during the pandemic. Um, hug animals if they let you. <laughs> but just stay connected okay. to the people in your life. You, you know, my, my cat loves when Susan comes to visit because Susan mm-hmm. massages her while she's here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Susan gives a great massage. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm trying. To, I don't know if I've ever had a massage from Susan. Um, yeah. And I and I started seeing a chiropractor again. That helps being touched. Um, yeah. I'm going to be getting a massage shortly. So not tonight, but you know, I'm going to schedule a massage. Um, I miss that. I definitely miss because I was getting regular massages before the pandemic. And then we were ta- we were mentioning cuddle party. Um, for those who don't know, um, Cuddle Party 
is um, a workshop for adults. People come dressed in PJs, sweats, yoga clothes. It's a non-sexual, consensual touch event. So nobody touches anybody without their permission. Nobody gets naked. No touch with the intent to arouse. And it was founded in 2004, I'm thinking. And I was I went to my first cuddle party in 2005 and then was certified in 2006. So I estimate that I've done over 400 of them in that period of time since 2005. And I loved it. It was one of my greatest joys. And the last one that I did was February of 2020. So I'm still not quite ready to do that, but it's a phenomenal way of practicing boundary setting, practicing asking for what you need in terms of healthy touch and in other areas of your life as well. So it's if people are interested in it, it's Cuddle Party, C-U-D-D-L-E, P-A-R-T-Y.com. And there may be some facilitators that are doing them now. Right. That would be good for practicing boundaries. I hadn't thought about mm-hmm. that. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, and you you know Jasmine. I've had her on here. She she was mm-hmm. talking, explaining what the uh-huh. cuddlers does. Right. So, yeah, yeah, Jas- yeah. Jas- I know Jasmine through my community down in the D.C. area. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cuddlers, um, I was a cuddlers for a while, but I, you know, I decided um, that it was too, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to in any way put it down. But I didn't want to have to screen for safety. I didn't want to have to right. make sure oh, I was a safe person to have in my home. So I didn't. But Jasmine is wonderful, and I can, I can tell you, as somebody who has cuddled with Jasmine, she is phenomenal. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and then regarding Susan, Susan asked me to. She reminded me of this the other night when we talked. Um, when I was doing cuddle parties and Susan was still in the Philadelphia area, she hosted one for me and it was what was called a media friendly cuddle party. And um, that meant that the press was there. So somebody from, I think it was local, it was a local news affiliate and there were like 20 some people there and it was absolutely phenomenal. So it, it ran, and then the next day it was on Good Morning Yahoo, and then the next um, day after that, Stephen Colbert got a hold of it. And I don't know if you've ever have you ever watched his, his older show, not the not the more more recent one. Have you ever um, seen have, Stephen Colbert show? <laughs> okay, so he used to take um, an event, a subject, whatever, and either give it a thumbs up or a wag of the finger. So it got a wag of the finger. He called it something like an orgy for the socially inept. And I went, oh, you know, because I, you know, I I told my friends about it, watch, you know, watch, we're going to be on Stephen Colbert. And I felt um, very protective of my cuddlers. And I wrote to him, I wrote to his um, producer and I wrote to him directly. And I said, as a responsible journalist, you should really know what you're talking about. Um, I, I invite you to bring your PJ clad butt to one of my cuddle parties so you know what this is about. I never heard back from him, which is really a shame. Uh, but that was that was held at Susan's house when she lived in this area. Yeah, well, he missed the point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, you know, people people like to prejudge things that they don't understand. Right. Yep. Good. Yeah, and I think that you know that is, that is a shame, but stretch your comfort zones at your own discretion. Right. Right. But definitely, definitely try something, and and you mm-hmm. know even even if you try something and it doesn't feel comfortable now, at least mm-hmm. you tried. You know. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But gotta gotta stretch stretch those boundaries a little bit and give it a try mm-hmm. and and then mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't feel right now, but you know mm-hmm. try try again a little bit later and and you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um but yeah so what what do you feel prepared you for the sort of work that you do now? Well, I grew I'm up guessing, in a very I'm, I'm sorry you didn't. 
dive in head first? You may have. Um, <laughs> well, what prepared me was that I grew up in a very nurturing, touchy-feely family. Um, my parents, okay. my sister, and at one point, uh, both grandmothers lived with us. Um, lots of hugs and kisses. Nobody left the house without a hug. Nobody came in without a hug. Um, when our friends would come over, if they were comfortable with it, they would get hugs. Um, so I grew up in that kind of environment. When my parents were still alive, I told them that they trained me. They, they raised me to be a cuddle party facilitator. So um, they, you know, they didn't really understand it. And I remember at one point my mother saying, I would love to come to one of your cuddle parties, but I wouldn't be able to get up off the floor once I got down there. And I said, you don't have to worry. You can sit on a couch. People would come to you. She, you know, sadly, she was never able to attend before she died. Um, but I attribute a lot of that to my parents. Uh, I also attribute their um, volunteer spirit. The entire time they were a lot that I knew them, obviously, um, they volunteered in the community. They volunteered. My dad was a firefighter. My mom volunteered at the hospital. They volunteered in our synagogue. Um, my dad um, helped a little girl in the neighborhood do what was called patterning back then. It was sort of like physical therapy. So he was trained to, to work with her. She had... Um, either muscular dystrophy or MS, I forget. I think muscular dystrophy. So he volunteered there. Um, my parents helped with helped my sister and me with Girl Scout cookie sales. So even when they retired and moved to Florida, they still volunteered in their community. So that volunteer spirit helped me to feel like, I, you know, I, I have so much in my life I want to give back or I want to pay it forward. So that yeah. prepared me for this as well. Yeah, it seems like, you know, often if if we're raised around that kind of thing, it becomes our normal and we just, we have to mm-hmm. do the same yeah. sort of thing, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard to grow up around that kind of thing and they go, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there are, there, I mean, I have, I have close friends who would never do, never come to a cuddle party, never do the free hugs thing, but they accept hugs from me. I have one friend. Um, in in Philly, who um, doesn't you know doesn't let any you know um, I shouldn't say doesn't let anybody hug her, but I'm one of the few people that that she allows to hug her, so it's an honor. If you know when somebody trusts you enough to let them in their bubble, you know in their their right. space, don't betray that trust. Be you know be yes. nurturing and, and supportive. And even if they say yes one time, doesn't mean they're going to say yes the next time. So exactly. be okay with that too. True. Well, you know, appreciate it, but don't take it for granted. So. Yep, absolutely. So why? How do I want to ask this? Why is connection and touch with other people so important for us? Well, I consider touch an essential essential nutrient um, because without it, as I mentioned earlier, people shrivel up. They, be, you know, they become depressed, they become anxious, they succumb to addiction, sometimes even suicidality. And we need, you know, we're, we're, we have skin hunger because our skin is our single largest organ. It requires nurturing. Um, you wouldn't starve a garden, you know, if you're planting seeds in a garden. You have to feed and water and fertilize it. Same thing with the human body that people, again, shrivel up emotionally. Um, in the TEDx talk, I, I mentioned this um, vet, not the one that I mentioned earlier, but I had gone to a veteran's homeless shelter with some friends, and I offered this one man a hug, and he said, I haven't been touched in 20 years. Can you imagine not hugging, touching another human being for two decades? And it yes. just looming out of the water. Um, I don't know how he survived. I, you know, I didn't, I don't know his history. I don't know. All I know that, that he was a veteran and that he was homeless. Um, very sweet man. So, you know, imagine yourself. You know, as you said, you live alone. I live alone. I make sure that I get my healthy touch needs met. I make sure that I spend time with nurturing friends. Um, I make sure that I, you know, that, I put myself in situations where I feel a sense of connection, even if I don't touch anybody, 
even if I'm just talking. So being around kindred spirits, people that that have shared values helps. Um, I encourage people that if they have a spiritual practice, use it as as a way of enriching their lives. And if they don't consider themselves religious or spiritual, be in nature, dance, do yoga, do drumming, you know, sing, um, lie in the grass and look up at the stars. You know, what, whatever connects you to something beyond your daily lived experience is, you know, is life enhancing. I'm glad you mentioned nature because I've I've suggested that other times, um, especially if somebody doesn't feel specifically spiritual, and I've mentioned that too for people that don't feel, you know, specifically, you know, um, <clears throat> religious as far as like organized religion, but they they do. They feel connected to something, but may not, you know, put a specific word or being or whatever to it. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are some, you might be the right person to ask this. Um, okay. <clears throat> what are some ideas as far as connecting to nature that you would recommend? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm one of these people like, I, I love just being outside. I love being by the ocean. There's just mm-hmm. something about being outdoors that's just rejuvenating and invigorating mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. For me. Well, and I mean, I'm, I, you know, 10 minutes, I can be in the National Forest, you know. Oh, and lovely. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got all of nature, like, completely surrounding you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I know not everybody can do that. But you know, what I, I I figure wherever we are, we've got nature outdoors, you know. So mm-hmm. what are what are some suggestions that you might have for people that might have limited human connection opportunities but could have nature opportunities that might be beneficial? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know Even if you live, yeah. oh, absolutely. Even if you live in a city, there are parks. There are even even like little pocket parks in neighborhoods. Uh, you can create a garden on your balcony. Um, you can look up at the stars. You can look up at the sky and the clouds. Um, there are times when I'm I'm working. I work from my home most of the time too, and I can look out my window and I have like French door, a French door, and then a window. And in between clients, sometimes I'll just sit there and gaze at the sky and not even, like, not even sit, have conscious thought. Um, if you are somewhere when you can, where you can go out and the weather is nice, you can walk barefoot in the grass. If you're near the ocean, you can walk barefoot in the sand. Um, plant, you know, plant. Do gardening. Um, breathe in the smell of nature. Um, there, you know, there are a million different ways that you can connect. And I think it's so important because you know, historically, our ancestors, way, 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 you know, thousands, millions of years, they lived outdoors. <clears throat> you know, they had shelter from, from the weather, but they basically lived outdoors. And if we're, you know, if, if people are farmers, they're, they're in touch with nature. I was talking to somebody the other day who grew up um, as a rancher. His family owned a ranch out in um, Montana or what? I think Montana. And he talked about what it was like sitting on a horse and, you know, being responsible. He was a teenager at the time for all, you know, for this herd of cattle. And he would just sit there and look out over the expanse of land and take it in. Um, he doesn't do that work now, but that was a pivotal part of his upbringing. So he lived in nature with, you know, with horses and cows. <laughs> and, um, you know, there are people that just, like sitting by the water, moving, you know, moving body of water can be healing. Listening to the wind through the trees can be healing. And when you do that, you, there's such a sense of, I, I, one of my favorite spiritual words is ineffable. Um, there's such a sense of, of the ineffable, like unexplainable. You just know it when you feel it. So that's, you know, that's my treaties on, you know, on the importance of being in nature. 
Well, you know, it's it's a little cold for this right now, mm-hmm. but when the temperature is warmer, there's there's just such a difference when you're barefoot outside. You know, mm-hmm. let the feet, mm-hmm. the bare feet touch the ground and the grass mm-hmm. and the dirt, and I just yep. love it. Well, and yeah. <laughs> the bodies of water don't have to be the ocean. I prefer mm-hmm. the ocean, but it doesn't right. have to be the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, in what year was it? 1981, uh, my senior year in college, um, I did an outward bound course. Do you know what an outward bound is? Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. No. no. Uh-uh. Okay, it's a wilderness survival course. And they're all over the world. This one was out of Dartmouth College. And I spent 10 days camping, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, and hiking in Maine, New Hampshire in January, 40 below at night, freezing cold. (laughs) And there was such a – and I will never be that young and crazy again (laughs) to do something like that. (laughs) But I remember – feeling more connected to nature than I ever had before. And part of it was being aware of nature because um, we had to be aware of what was going on around us or we could die, <laughs> no? Yes. So um, I, you know, it was in that 10-day period, and I, I had actually chosen that particular school to do it through because I planned to move from New Jersey to Vermont after college. I thought about it because I love the idea of moving to Vermont. There's just, you know, the hippie in me wanted to, <laughs> to move up there. And after 10 days of all of that, coming home with a broken pinky, frostbite on both hands, a sprained ankle, bronchitis, and bruises on my hips from carrying a 50-pound pack around for 10 days, not having showered for 10 days, um, which was actually fine because it was too cold for bacteria to grow. And also because if we, you know, if we did smell, we'd all smell the same way. So after all that, I never moved to Vermont. But I still can remember, like when I go outside here and there's like this crisp, cold air and you could smell snow, that's what it felt like yeah. up there. And it was just a remarkable yeah. experience. So I encourage people to spend some time in nature every day. There, there is a certain feel and smell, and, mm-hmm. and it is. It, it sounds funny to say that the air is crisp, that, but it is. Mm-hmm. It gets like yeah. that. It gets like that here sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very glad to say it doesn't get that way often, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it does get right. like that at times. Right, but. Um, that that's like I I like to joke that and usually about January it, it gets mm-hmm. to the point where the ground kind of crunches and I'm mm-hmm. like okay dirt did not crunch <laughs> it just right. isn't supposed to crunch but yeah mm-hmm. thank goodness that doesn't happen a lot mm-hmm. okay <laughs> now see there's a reason I don't live in like Minnesota and <laughs> right. Michigan yeah. me either but. me either because you know the weather here is for me the most ideal because we get rain, we get snow, we, you know, we're pretty, um, where, where I live, not a lot of flooding, occasional tornadoes, um, you know, lately with climate change, that's been happening more often, unfortunately, but I love living in, in Bucks County. It just, you know, I lived in Florida for about two years and when my husband and I bought our home down there, we, uh, we bought it in Homestead which was ground zero for Hurricane Andrew. So we lost our home there, moved back up here, um, and he died six years after we moved back up. He had um, hepatitis C. So I decided to stay here. You know, I, this is, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, so this still feels like home. Oh, I like, we have, we have the four seasons here, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're, they're very distinctive, you know. They may not happen. Yeah on schedule, but we do have them all. But it doesn't get really, really cold that often, you know. I mean, it it gets down around zero overnight. It doesn't usually get that cold during the day, you know. But, um, and it doesn't usually get over 100 very often, maybe a couple of days. 
you know, mm-hmm. so it, it we, we don't really have the extremes except a few days mm-hmm. a year, you know. So, you know, it's not bad, and it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful here, if you like mountains. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I can be on the beach in three hours, you know, so, and I can mm-hmm. be in the mountains in ten minutes. So, you know, I, it, it's cool. I like it here. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we're just, we're just far enough that the hurricanes don't, we don't get the brunt of a hurricane. We may get the rain, mm-hmm. but not the brunt. Um, yeah. It works. Yeah, yeah, something I'd recommend going through. <laughs> but yeah. I'm grateful that we, we had good insurance that we we were able to move back home here. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been down at the coast for like right after and and as it's come again and and but that, that yeah. I'm I'll stay on this side of of the mountains because it doesn't usually. The worst part doesn't get this far usually, so mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. why this? This is an important topic. Mm-hmm. Why is consent a necessary part of healthy touch? Okay, our bodies belong to us. They don't belong mm-hmm. to the adults in our lives. They don't belong to partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to decide who touches us. So when you're a baby. You have to be touched to be changed, to be fed, you know, all all of that. But when I change my my grandchildren's diapers, I'll say to them, okay, time for diaper change. I don't, I mean, I saw a video, I don't know how long ago, of this woman that said, you should you should get their permission before you change. You, you know, if you got a poopy diaper, you can't say, honey, is it okay if I change your diaper? You say, I'm going to change your diaper now so we can get you all clean and dry. But I always, I, you know, I narrate when I talk to them. I don't just move them around like they're objects. And um, so that's important. There's this wonderful video um, that I recommend to people called T, T-E-A-E, T and consent. And it equates the idea of drinking tea and consent. So let's just say I offer you a cup of tea and you say yes. And then the next okay. day I offer you a cup of tea and you say no, I don't pour the tea down your throat. If you're sleeping, <laughs> if you're unconscious, I don't pour tea down your throat. Unconscious sleeping people don't need tea. Um, if you start drinking the tea and you say, you know what, I'm done with the tea, I'm going to put it down, I'm not going to make you drink the tea. So you get the you get the comparison there, right? Right, right. Okay. So if people get it, if they want to watch T T E A and consent YouTube, um, so I, I teach people both at cuddle party and um, actually three times with my clients because I'm a psychotherapist and I have worked with clients who've had trauma around touch, um, and I tell them get you know don't let anybody touch you without your permission. Um, even if you're, you're used to be touching somebody, if they say, you know, I'm not really feeling like it tonight, I'm not, I'm not just talking about sex, I'm talking about touch, cuddling, whatever, um, not really feeling like it tonight, I just need some space, do your best not to take it personally and say, okay, you know, let me know when you're ready, I'm here. Um, so it gives people ownership of their bodies. Um, there, you know, kids grow up in homes where, their body sovereignty is not respected. When um, I'm leaving, when I'm watching my grandchildren, I won't say, give me a hug. I'll say would, you know, to my grandson, would you like to give me a hug or can I give you a hug before I leave? And if he wiggles away, I'll say, okay, see you tomorrow. And I don't get offended if he doesn't want a hug. Um, right. So I always give him a choice. And with the baby, I mean, she's 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 actually... Um, so cuddly that she doesn't like it if I put her down. <laughs> you know, if I sit her down or I put her in her, her playpen, she'll cry. Um, so that permission is so important because people feel safer if they know they can say no at their, you know, right. at their discretion. And it gives people a sense of um, what's the word? Agency. I've heard that word used before. Agency. Like I get to say. I'm not coming, like, I don't know if you grew up with this, but I grew up with, oh, go hug aunt so-and-so, um, or go give right. her a kiss. And there are times that I didn't right. want to. I hated having my right. cheeks pinched. You know, um, yeah. and maybe in a family, aunt so-and-so smokes, and you don't want to be hugging somebody that just smoked. Um, so I don't think any child should be forced to hug anybody. 
And, well, you know, there may be people, you know. It, it can also erode their self-esteem, you know, their self-confidence. Because, yeah. you know, right. it, you're basically saying what they want and how they feel is of no importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So this way, and I'm not saying don't encourage it. I mean, my son and daughter-in-law encourage them, you know, him to be affectionate. But if he's if he doesn't want to, that's a no. That's fine. You know, I don't I don't get offended by it. I know he loves me, and he knows I love him. Well, you know, it, it, if they're saying no to everybody, you, there there may mm-hmm. be an issue. <laughs> you know? right. Oh yeah. No, no. And he doesn't always say no to me. Once in a while, he'll say no. Usually, he'll he'll come over and hug me. When he first started doing it, he would put his like kind of headbutt for a hug, and now he'll open his arms up. Um, and he, you know, when when he goes off to school, he hugs his baby sister, you know, a few times. <laughs> so, you know, so that's a good, thing. yeah. But yeah, you know, letting letting the children start to well and, and help them understand how to set boundaries and how to you know it's a good teaching yeah. moment yep oh absolutely oh. so you you and a friend started something called bucks county kind what's that mm-hmm. well my friend joanne petron um and i started this in April of 2022, she had posted something on our local Facebook page, our, our Doylestown, our little town Facebook page, and she said she wanted to ask local merchants if they would be willing to put cards out on their counters that encourage people to do acts of kindness. She started doing it herself when um, she and her children were at a local, I think it was the Bagel Barrel um, in, in Doylestown, and she paid for someone's to-go order. I didn't want them to know about it, but, of course, the owner or the person behind the counter said, this person just paid for your order. And she wanted to model it for her children, that you do nice, you know, kind, not just nice, but kind things for other people. And when I saw her post, I said, ooh, 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 I want to be involved with this. Let's talk. Now, she and I had never met. So... Um, we decided to create a Facebook page, and if people want to join it, you don't have to be from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. You could be from any place in the world. So look up Bucks, B-U-C-K-S, County Kind, K-I-N-D, and you can join it. And on the page, what you'll find are memes and songs and stories and suggestions for how to do kind acts. And right now, there are probably 50 or 60 local businesses, everything from stores to restaurants to um, my bank, um, my doctor's offices that I go to. Um, When I did my TEDx talk in Lima, Ohio, um, I handed them out. They had little gift bags that everybody got that was in the audience. So I stuck the cards in there. At the hotel I stayed at in, in Ohio, I put the cards out at the, you know, the check-in counter. Uh, on the way back, my friend Barb and I stopped in Pittsburgh. So I put cards out at the hotel. We stayed out there. And I have friends, a friend in Texas who um, had the cards, somebody else in Colorado. So when I'm out in public, I'll hand out the cards as well. At my, at my bank, if I go through the drive through I'll put a card in the, the little container that goes to the teller. So... You know, I encourage people, you know, the kindness doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It could be holding a door open for somebody. It could be putting, if you see their meter's about to run out, you put money in the meter. Um, it could be letting somebody go first in the checkout line. Um, it could be complimenting somebody or just, t- I love talking to people um, at the register, at, you know, at, at stores. And you never know who needs that human connection. So the cool thing about Bucks County Kind is that when I, I'm not saying it's totally taken the place of the hug strolls, but it has the same purpose, connecting people heart to heart, human to human, and nobody says no to a card. No, actually, I shouldn't say that. One person did. One person said, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> kept walking. And I said, I'm not selling it. Yeah, didn't want to. So um, that's what Joanne and I, you know, what, what that's about. There, there's always got to be one, doesn't there? <laughs> yep, absolutely. But that's okay. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Interesting. There was um, 
there was a woman that I had on, CJ. Actually, I had her on here for, for something else. But the, mm-hmm. when I originally met her, it was actually on my other radio show. And she was a client, and I was helping her promote what she was doing. And it was um, uh, it was a kindness thing that she was doing over a couple months, I think it was. and mm-hmm. Or it was 30 days of something. I forget what the name of it was now. <laughs> But it was it was that kind of thing, and she was she was going to do thirty random acts of kindness, oh, and cool. somebody was following her around and videoing all of them, and mm-hmm. um, she was doing something like that, and uh, mm-hmm. it was it was neat how she was doing that. It was it was that kind of thing, and it was they didn't have mm-hmm. to be big, but it was it was mm-hmm. doing they were all around her community and doing mm-hmm. different things for different people, and it was it was a neat campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was uh wow, that was a long time ago. It was uh mm-hmm. it was probably thirteen, fourteen years ago. But mm-hmm. um yeah. But yes, yeah, so reminds me um, very much of what she was doing. Mhm. Well there are two schools of thought about videotaping or taking pictures. Some people say, Well, I don't want my acts of kindness to be I don't want to get the credit for it. And that but then I think, you know, you know, if you're doing something kind for a homeless person on the street, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of t- videotaping or taking that person's picture because it makes it look like they're a prop. Um, that you know that you're this this hero that swoops in and does something kind for them. Uh, but I am in favor of people knowing if someone does a kind act because um, it gives them permission and motivation to do it themselves. Right. Well, and this is back before everybody was videotaping yeah. and before social media yeah. and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Like I said, it was it was 12, 13 years ago before Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. but, yeah. You know, back back in the good old days. <laughs> but, um, or back when, I think, I think the only thing we had back then was MySpace. So, mm-hmm. yep, I remember that. <laughs> like I said, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, would you? I feel so old saying that. It's, it's funny when saying back back when all we had was MySpace makes you feel old. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I know I'm before, so I remember. <laughs> so funny. Um, would you like to tell the listeners how they can find more, find out more about you? Sure. Uh, my website is optimistical. So it's www.opti-mystical.com. And where that came from is I had, I don't remember if it was in a dream or meditation, the words came through, you're not just an optimist, you're an optimistic who sees the world through the eyes of possibility. So that's my website. Uh, I'm on Facebook, E-D-I-E-W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. And again, Bucks County Kind. Um, you can check that out and, and join us if you want. So those are the best ways to find out what I'm up to. I yeah, I like I like snuggle yoga. That's cute. I like that. Oh, snuggle yeah. Somebody um, when I started doing cuddle party, so another again friend. I don't remember who it was said, "Oh, that's your snuggle yoga." That's your you know, <laughs> it's kind of what it is. You know, one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Like this, I, I saw that one. Oh, snuggle yoga! I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and and the optimistical. I like that too. It's, oh, thank you. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. And, mm-hmm. and I like those kind of things. They're, they're cool to remember too. So, mm-hmm. thank you. All right. I don't like the ones that are just cutesy and you'll never remember. Mm-hmm. I like the ones that are cute right. and and cool to remember too. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, the show will be archived, and it will be mm-hmm. on com slash hugmob. I thought that would be a good mm-hmm. way to. Wonderful. Thank that you. Would be a good yes. Thank you. So okay. thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. And enjoy your evening, folks. Take care. Yes. Thank you for being here. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.